Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by the world's leading underground construction equipment company, Ditch Witch, proud to support the sports you love. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm joined as I am each week with the host of Bass Edge Television, Mr. Aaron Martin. How's it going, Aaron? I am doing well, Steve. I look forward to our upcoming show, as we will have Chad Morgan Taylor, FLW Pro, who will be joining us a little bit later to talk about some very timely topics, and that is on the spawn, post-spawn, and moving into those patterns. Then a little bit later, we'll have Troy Heckman of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association, who will bring us up to speed on what's going on with their organization. Well, let's rock and roll. Get her like that with one. Good job. I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge with bass fishing. Oh, did you see yes, that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. Full contact fishing right there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. understand you have a new toy that needs a little playing with now steve you know that belongs to all of us <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about we, we we've got uh, the first of our new boats this year and uh, i'll just ask aaron uh, where is that boat right now now what is that supposed to be you know dang well it's sitting in my garage <laughs> i think that talks about who's gonna play with it we know this is gonna work out uh, oh but, no uh, no we're happy to have it though i tell you it's uh, i'm anxious so uh, we've still got to get the superstar batteries put in it and uh, of course got to get it decked out and then naturally we've got to get all that tackle moved into it steve you know we, we can't have a fishing show without well, the that's tackle. a week's work <laughs> now it's not as bad as your shoe collection <laughs> yeah yeah me and marcus that's right <laughs> yeah it's you know it's kind of that time of year to where uh of course a lot of people are thinking about you know getting a new one or whether it be new to them or a brand new one as a matter of fact so it's it's kind of timely to just maybe spend a little bit of time you know, talking about picking those out. Oh, man, buying a boat. It's pretty exciting. And I, I remember buying my first boat. And, of course, uh, my first mistake is I jumped out there and just bought the biggest, most expensive boat they'd let me buy. And I ended up uh, worrying more how to pay the <laughs> pay the bill on it than, than, than catching fish. So uh, I think that's a good first lesson right there is, you know, buy what you can afford so you can enjoy it. You know, it's kind of funny you bring that up. I uh, had that conversation. I was visiting with all of our friends over at the Legend Plant and uh, Dwayne Hanchu. He and I were talking about, you know, just economic things that has changed, obviously, over the course of the last 12 months. And, you know, that's that's the same thing that he said when he goes to boat shows and travels all around the country. It really comes down to staying within your budget because if you do that, then you're able to hit the water. And, you know, we talk a lot about with Jay McNamara and really just all the different anglers about having, uh, you know, kind of that space, that mental capacity and not to be thinking about other things that's going on without you know throughout work and everything else and to have and to know that the craft that you're in it's going to be taken care of and you don't have to worry about you know going out and achieving some astronomical number on a monthly basis i think that says a lot right and i mean it just kind of comes down to uh fit it to what you do fit it to your budget you know remember you got to haul this thing around and operate it and obviously you know there's some guys you know these guys are going to fish tournaments every week you know they want a lot of room to move around and they're spending a good portion of their life in that boat in a big old deck with just plenty of deck space is a great boat for them but uh man i tell you i can you know you know how it is that you have these seven or eight sort of memories in your head about 
fishing trips that you can remember just like they were yesterday. And for me, two of those were fishing out of this old boat that the motor broke down and we paddled over to the shore and it turned into two just memorable fishing trips. So uh, it's not the boat. Get the boat that's comfortable for you. Uh, you know, I agree with that. And I, I kind of always uh, think that that's part of the experience, almost like the fraternity mentality, Steve, you know, until you uh, have something that, uh, you know, you got to work on a little bit and go through the trials and tribulations, you know, that's all part of the, the fishing experience. It's not just about going out there and catching in them, but uh, really it's it's the total trip that, that comes into play. So regardless, you know, I think that's great advice and a good point that you make there, and, and certainly we're happy to be affiliated with the Legend family. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm anxious to get it that Alpha Tool 11 because it does have the ample space for big old boys like me and uh, so am i going to get a chance to uh get that thing on the water here anytime soon oh yeah oh yeah you know of course i'm not going to give you the keys to it but you know that's a different thing but you'll be happy to know you know for us guys that have these long legs they've got the new consoles in and the, the knee room underneath them uh i think they'll even be able to get you and i into there pretty easily well that's <laughs> That means a lot because, you know, you, we've talked about that before, how some boats, they're just not made for guys my height, and some are just work great. So there again, and suit it to yourself. Look, it's very easy to make an impulse decision. You know, you go to a boat show and you say, look at that. That's the one. But And I really urge people to step back do all the research. You know, if you're in a club, your buddies probably have a number of the different boats that you're looking for. And let's face it, if your uncle's got a boat he's been fishing out of 15 years and you've been fishing out of 15 years and it's still in great shape, it might be a pretty good choice too. Yeah, I mean, you know, get out and, and good grief. I mean, the, as many boats that are out there now, you can certainly get a test ride in, in one and, and try it out before you, you know, that's a big decision, big commitment. So uh, good advice, Steve. Well, we got a boat, so I guess uh, we'll get another one here and it'll be pretty soon time to go to work. <laughs> I guess work. I guess if you can call it that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, we can call it that for everybody but you. You just fish. The rest of us have to put a TV show. Oh, man, salty again today. I tell you what, you must, uh, <laughs> Kathy must be uh, feeding you well, and you got all your coffee, and you're jacked up and ready to go. I can see that. I'm going well, to have to get the gloves out. Yeah, we've been eating well. <laughs> People say that to me. I, I get that from time to time. Like that show says, I get that a lot. Well, I don't know why. <laughs> But uh, anyway, that it is neat to think about another season, but uh, that brings up kind of a cool point is, aren't we just about to put season three DVD set out, are we not? We are. I uh, There's been some email correspondence going back and forth, not, mm-hmm. of course, to me. I think I'm getting it secondhand, but uh, I know everyone back at Studio A is, is very busy. Jacob and Don and Matt and Jennifer, they're... Uh, in the process, I think we're a matter of uh, just weeks away from having that thing on the shelves and uh, look forward to that because I th- I really think that, you know, if you look at the three seasons, that is by far our best one. Well, you know, I guess in a way I'm sort of uh, prejudiced, but uh, I just think it was a breakout season for us. You had some record ratings on our show on the network, and boy, it's just, uh, it just it's kind of that third year. We just sort of broke it out. It's by far the best season that we've had, and uh, it's going to make an amazing collection because gosh it's the furthest we've roamed i guess we've got california and florida and minnesota and texas and uh, i know that one's gonna be real popular well and you know the other thing is when you couple that with season one and season two look at the numerous lakes that we have the offering and the challenges that we faced that does bring back a lot of memories because i know some of those shows you know we really struggled but we were able to kind of put our heads down and figure out at least something you know that i think the viewers and fans can at least um learn to appreciate and 
also expect under those same conditions when they hit the water. Right. We're developing quite a little body of work here. Uh, there's a lot to be learned in there, but a lot of fun. We have a good time, and I think that's really more important. Well, I know I'm rambling here, Steve, but before we get out of here, I do want to make mention uh, in your neck of the woods, your old stomping grounds, there's a huge event coming up May 16th and 17th, and that oh, is, yeah. I, I almost forgot to mention, it's a Legends of Lake Fork tournament, and this year they have upped the ante that $213,000 will be awarded over those two days, and essentially what this is, remember, it's not a stringer tournament. It's an hourly weigh-in in Lake Fork. Mm-hmm. As you well know, you know it has that slot limit, so uh, you're allowed to fish over, and then also they've got to be under the slot, but anything in between. So it, it makes it for very interesting weigh-ins because there's a lot of strategy mm-hmm. that goes into that, and they're going to be giving away four legend boats as well as each hour uh, numerous uh, cash prizes. So I would encourage anyone, if they have that ability to be able to get down there for that host marina, is going to be Lake Fork Marina. Mm-hmm. And simply all you got to do is call 888-657-5051 or email teamlegend at legendmarine.com and uh, you can get in on some of those hourly prizes and possibly win a boat. Oh, man. Lake Fork the first week in May. They're going to tear them up. There's going to be some beautiful fish weighed in over there. You know, I I know a few humps over there that I'm kind of uh, fond of that time of year. You think, am I eligible? Uh, Negative, Steve. Uh, (laughs) That's one of the disadvantages to being part of Bass Edge. You are not eligible (laughs) for that. So, Well, I don't think my uh, fishing prowess would scare the competition too much. (laughs) I tell you what, though, we got a great interview coming up with Chad Morgan-Taylor. And we're going to get to that after a quick break. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, welcome back to The Edge. And joining us today is the Jasper Engines and Transmissions Pro Tours on the FLW, also the Vice President of the Professional Anglers Association, Mr. Chad Morgan-Taylor. Chad, thanks so much for being part of the Edge. Hey, Aaron, thanks for having me back here on the Edge. Bye. Hey, it's, uh, it's great to be here, and of course, a uh, great time of year, as uh, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those times to where we're coming off of uh, the spawn, depending upon what part of the country that you're in. Also, uh, you know, some of that spawning action is still taking place. Look forward to jumping into to that topic a little bit further in detail. But before we do, you know, Chad, you've got an interesting story uh, when you think about how you got into the sport of fishing. And that's the fact that you walked away from a 13-year career as a firefighter. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, before we jump into kind of the more of the tips and techniques? Well, yeah, it was, uh, you know, early in life, I guess, I had uh, messed around with a few odd jobs here and there and decided there had to be something a little bit better in life and more secure by all means. So, yeah, I uh, I was uh, fortunate enough. I went through um, a bunch of training at the University of Illinois up in Champaign, Illinois, and, and was certified as a firefighter and an emergency medical technician was specialized in a bunch of areas and was able to get uh, land a really good job with the city of Carbondale uh, 
and uh, was fortunate enough throughout the years to kind of uh, develop throughout my career. And uh, I spent eight years as a firefighter and the last uh, almost five as a captain. I was promoted to captain. And, you know, uh, it was just an experience. It was an opportunity to give back to the community a little bit and to help people that really needed help. And, uh, you know, the one nice thing about a fireman is whenever you roll up on a scene somewhere, you know, it, it's a lot like the police. You have red lights and sirens going. The only difference is people are really glad to see you. They are glad you're there because <laughs> they are in a pathway usually. And uh, so it was a very rewarding experience. And, it, you know, it really helped me develop my professional career actually as a fisherman, believe it or not, because it really taught me a lot about dealing with stress. As a captain, I was actually in charge of a house myself and, you know, had several firefighters under my command and that actually commanded several large scenes where, you know, obviously there was a lot of threat to life that was endangered and, uh, and property. So it, it helped me keep calm and cool and collective through some pretty trying times. And that is, uh, I've adopted that into my professional career, which has no doubt helped me in several situations along the way. Well, I could see where, you know, when when you think about the mental aspects of fishing that so often we talk about, uh, not only here on the edge and, and the website and television show, you know, that has to carry over into, you know, just time management. And like you said, just controlling and keeping in, in check that mental warfare that's going on in your head throughout the course of a day. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it does. And there's a huge mental aspect that's involved with our sport, as you well know. And uh, it does. It, it just, uh, you know, the more time that you uh, experience extreme situations, the better you become at it. That doesn't necessarily mean that rookie fishermen can't step into the sport and be very calm and collective, but, you know, those situations arise where you have a shot at winning a tournament or you lose a big fish and you can't let it affect the rest of your day and your performance from there on. You have to be able to shrug it off and deal with that situation, basically, is what it boils down to, and do it calmly and very effectively, and, and it did. That taught me a lot. Uh, going forward. Well, and one last thing on that topic. What advice can you give to anglers out there kind of across the Bass Edge Nation that, you know, are, are wanting to get into the sport of bass fishing, you know, whether it be recreationally or even competitively speaking? What are the steps to, to go about doing that? It's different for a lot of people, but the basic steps is you just have to become comfortable with yourself and your decision-making process. Develop your skills, obviously, is a huge part of it. Don't think that you can step on to a professional tour, even into now the weekend programs and, and tournaments that's going on, and be top-notch if you aren't well-rounded with your skills. And you have to be well-versed in being able to throw, immediately go from throwing a light line situation, six-pound line, shaky head, spinning rod stuff, feel very comfortable doing that, to immediately changing gears and being able to crank, and then and, uh, you know, go to flipping situation. You can't be one-sided. You have to be well-rounded now uh, because you're going to be presented with a ton of different situations. And remember one thing, that you need to practice patience. It is not going to develop overnight. If you're the biggest hot shot in the world on your local pond, as soon as you start traveling, I can promise you, you are no longer the hot shot, no matter where you step foot on. You may uh, experience some success along the ways, but you're going to also experience some very rough and difficult times, and you're going to get your butt handed to you uh, in a few situations. Don't get disappointed. Keep your chin up and realize it's extremely easy to live through the good times. Anybody can do that. 
a true professional, and, and if you've got what it takes, you'll make it through the rough times as well. And that's the biggest piece of advice that I could give anybody wanting to start this sport. Practice patience, keep your chin up, and strive to be as best and as good as you can possibly be. Well, and I, I think that brings testament to, you know, some of our previous conversations, Chad, and, and what we've mentioned here before is sometimes the days that we learn the most are days that we struggle, um, but you're able to kind of file that away, and, and, you know, when you're able to change things around and get them pointed in the direction that you desire, you know, that that's a skill and that's a, a result that can pay huge dividends down the road. I can't tell you how many times that I have spent five, six, seven thousand dollars to get the lesson of a lifetime. You know, at the end of that event, it may not seem like you're exactly right that you have learned what it will take to keep that from happening again. Um, but a lot of times, if you'll just uh, either record it, put it back in memory, however you need to do to, to be able to draw that information back forward, not make that mistake again, don't get hard-headed and say, I just didn't catch him in that situation. Why didn't you catch him in that situation? What was you doing differently than the person who won the tournament or the, who had a good finish? Adapt the next time that you repeat in that same situation, I can promise you, there's only just a few seasons. A fish is a fish. He does the same thing year after year. He really uses the same areas of the lake, the same structures. It doesn't matter where where in the nation you're at. So you can apply that all over. And, you know, eventually after you put enough years underneath your belt and get enough experience, it's going to continue to repeat and repeat time and time again, and you will have learned, hopefully. If you haven't, you maybe need to step back and take a look at what you actually did learn from that situation or did not, because, uh, yes, it can be expensive lessons, but they're all lessons. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and speaking of seasons, Chad, you know, we find ourselves here kind of at the, the first part of May. Unique time of year when you think of it, uh, geographically speaking, because there's, um, you know, post-spawn that's going on, getting ready to go into some of the summer patterns, uh, you know, down in the south to spawn that's taking place, you know, more in the Midwest to pre-spawn that's maybe happening, you know, further north. And I know you identify really the pre-spawn and spawn shallow water power fishing in crowds as, as kind of your primary fishing technique. And, and you're still able to enjoy a little bit of that, but set us up for what we as anglers that are out here fishing on a, on a regular basis what is it that we need to be looking for this time of year? Well, the main thing to remember at any time of the year, but this time of the year specifically, is you're not going to catch fish if you aren't around them. You have to be able to follow them, and they're on the move pretty much every day at this point. You know, whether they're coming in or going out, and the whole key is to find out how they go in on the particular body of water that you're at into the spawning areas and how they're going to leave. The males are always the first one in and the last ones out, but they're also usually the smallest fish in the group. So to catch those lunkers, you know, especially those key fish from spawn to post-spawn, you have to move with those larger females. They're only going to spend two to three days locked on the bed. So if you're sight fishing and you've got the opportunity, obviously you, you know the fish are going to be shallow. And shallow is a relative term depending on how clear the water is in the area that you're fishing because the clearer the water, the deeper they're going to spawn. But for the most part, you're still going to be able to visually see them. But once the spawn has taken place, you know, you've got to be able to back out with those fish and target them with the right lures. That's a real important part of being able to catch those fish post-spawn at this time of the year. And when you consider, you know, as far as targeting, 
targeting post-spawn fish. Often that can be a little bit intimidating and, and frustrating, maybe is a better word for that, because, you know, when you think about it, the females have moved in, you know, and I always kind of compare it to, you know, the birthing process, probably not feeling too good and too chipper immediately after the spawn. You know, they're just kind of hanging out. They want that nice, easy meal. But then, obviously, the farther away from that activity that they get, then they start feeling a little bit better and maybe head into a feeding binge. What lures specifically are you using to target, let's say, a post-spawn bass? Here's the thing to keep in mind whenever you're targeting that larger female post-spawn fish. You, you hit the nail on the head. You have to remember that that fish has just went through an extreme process, the biggest one that they're going to go through their entire year, okay? So they are very tired. They're very lethargic, even though the water temperature is warmer. So your faster-moving baits aren't necessarily the baits of choice at this time, but there is... A few exceptions to the rule. Now, I'm not saying that you can't catch fish on crankbaits or spinnerbaits or that, but you, because you can and you always will be able to. But the majority of the fish that you want to target are going to be lethargic. They're not feeling good. So your slower presentation baits. And the, the biggest key is to figure out what depth of water that they're going to be relating to. And what most people don't realize is that for about three weeks to a month and a half after they spawn, those fish won't, in most areas, won't immediately settle out into their summer haunts. They will take time getting there. It's kind of like you're not going to jump into running a marathon right after you just had a baby. You're going to have to train for it again. So they just take their time and ease out and spend a little time in areas. You know, the whole cove may be a situation. You take a cove. They may spawn in the back of the cove. That's actually where they make the beds and do that. And then as time progresses, the next week they move out, may move out to the secondary points. But what I really find is is that they'll relate to some type of path. They'll either follow the contour lines out and hang up on a on a piece of structure or a secondary point or a creek channel bend that might have the right stuff, especially if there's bait in the area. And normally what I've found is they don't necessarily get real deep right out of the gate after the spawn. So you've got a couple of baits that are really effective. I really like a slow-moving topwater bait at this time of the year. The reason I like it, such as a spook or a floating frog or something of that nature, is it's a slow presentation, it's a big meal for them, and, you know, they'll, they'll spend a lot of time in that 6, 8, 10-foot range normally across the nation, so you've got to spend some time working that area. Yeah, Chad, I mean, that makes absolute sense concerning, you know, when you're offering a bigger offering when they're not feeling well, and from what I gather... Is it that, you know, basically all we have to do is kind of retrace the steps backwards of how the fish arrived at their spawning beds and kind of work that in reverse and, and work that traffic way, you know, back out to where they came from? Yeah, exactly, you know, and, and targeting with a large offering. And, and a lot of times that's whenever I target those areas, especially if the fish are in a mood where they won't come up and bite that top water bait. Then I go to my real light jigs, but a big offering again, my 10-inch worms with the light text strig weight on it. Uh, you know, I don't start cranking until later on, until they move out. So that's that's kind of what you want to look for and keep in mind that exactly that, that something kind of slow and easy. Uh, swim baits also offer, you know, we've got them in our arsenal now. Uh, they even offer a pretty unique situation. So you just basically have to slow down, follow those fish back out, and it's difficult to stay on them for a while, but 
you'll usually find them grouped up pretty good. Whenever you find them, you found them for that day, even though you may have to rehunt a little bit the next day. Well, and speaking of them being grouped up, you know, in our last uh, closing minute or so here, what's your thought process and what's your take on the importance of, of locating, you know, the bait or forage of which they're feeding on and using those electronics? Uh, is that of an advantage, you know, to anglers when, when we're targeting these post-pond bass? Well, your electronics are absolutely priceless at that time of the year. The forage is important, um, you know, but it's not as important during the spawn and right directly after the post-spawn, in my opinion, as, as it is in the summer. But uh, your electronics give you all of the little clues. It gives you all the places from all your GPS mapping. You can dissect areas a lot quicker. You can pull right up on them. You can look through side imaging equipment now, find out exactly what the bottom structure is, what's down there. And, you know, you can also, in a lot of situations, if they're not right on the bottom, you can actually see the fish. So huge, huge don't skimp on electronics. It's like skimping on a good fishing pole. <laughs> there you go, and, and sometimes even more so. Well, Chad, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough uh, of appreciation for you taking your time to share with us. Any last-minute thoughts before we hit the road here? I love to talk about fishing and love to share some of the experiences that I have. You know, the main thing is is that if anybody would uh, would like to to ask me any questions, I'll be happy to get back to them. Just log on to BassEdge.com under Ask the Pro section. I'll be there for them. I will get back with you. My schedule's a little hectic, so if I don't get back with you that day, please be patient. I will get back with you as quickly as possible. And uh, it's just really nice to be here to talk with everybody, to share my experiences, and, uh, you know, to hopefully make somebody a better angler or at least get them to where they may have the opportunity to catch the fish of a lifetime. Well, Chad, thank you so much, and, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing more tips. I know there's there's been a few released already, but uh, we did a series of quick tips with you that's also available through BassEdge.com, so look forward to seeing those. Best of luck in the upcoming travels and tournaments that you have on your schedule, and look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you guys. Power. Productivity. It's the best trencher ever made, not to mention the best plow, dumper, tiller, backhoe, stump grinder, and tool carrier ever made. The Zahn, the revolution, is here. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand graph. Order your DVD by calling 888-390-8780 or online at BassEdge.com. Hey, Edge listeners, this is Terry Backsay. Hi, I'm Jamie Cyphers. I'm Denny Brower. This is Michael Murphy. Hi, this is Pam Bolton, and you're listening to The Edge. Well, there it is. Chad is talking about what's going on right now. 
on an awful lot of lakes around the country. Well, and who better to talk about it than Chad Morgan-Taylor? I mean, that guy spends hours and hours a week across the country. So I think his expertise was really applicable across the country. For sure. But you're telling me here we're a little lagging a little behind. We're still in a spring pattern here. Well, no question. You know, I, I had the opportunity any time to where uh, you get into these situations where you think there might be some fish on bed. You know me, I'm going to back that boat in and I've got to hit the water. So I had the opportunity to do that uh, over the weekend for a few hours. And I I think a lot of it has to do with Steve. You know, of course, we've been talking about all this crazy weather that's been going on, you know, rain to ice to snow. And the interesting thing is, you know, up the rivers, the spawn has been well underway for for quite some time. Um, But, you know, it's it's a lot dirtier up there. We had a lot of, of rain come in early and you can't see real well. So I stayed down around the dam. Uh, you know, in, in what I thought was going to be very clear water. But, you know, really what happened is that uh, there's a big algae bloom that's going on in that clear water. Plus, you know how all this pollen that you're getting on your vehicle uh, and you see coming when you open up the windows? Yeah, and your sinuses can tell that. Well, that there's a film, you know, across the top of the water. So it made it a little difficult and there was a lot of wind. But I tell you, it was a blast of being able to go out and target those. Well, that brings up a great point because the spawn, you know, it's not like a, a light switch. And uh, and I remember that uh, there was always, it seemed like two good periods of spawns in my old days in Texas. And that down there, that was March and April, usually in the full moons. So, uh, you know, these processes, they stretch out and they're different on different parts of the lake. So, so there you go. Last week in April, and you went and caught some fish on bed. That's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. And there, I think there's really still more to move up. And, you know, much like Chad said in the interview, when you find that situation of kind of the trifecta going on to where you still have some pre-spawners, spawners, and then also some that have already moved into the post-spawn, um, you know, you're talking about a smorgasbord for anglers to be able to go out and test themselves for whatever, you know, skill they like to do. Uh, it's pretty interesting times. It's a great time. Well, Aaron, I see that... Uh, Jacob and Don and the boys back at the studio have been doing a little of their handiwork. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you know, it was at our expense. But uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, it was. What did you think about them, Steve? Because I thought that's they what, were absolutely I think the blooper reel, I think, is where you do your best work, Aaron. Oh, nice. Well, <laughs> since since that was the only project, uh, you know, that you was wholeheartedly directing, uh, you know. No. Oh, everybody out there knows that you're so good that we have to make up bloopers for you to have, to have some. Yeah, well, well I seem to recall there was a clip on there i don't know i i guess i didn't realize steve that you were you know a rodeo uh person in, in college <laughs> that was uncalled for the boys are going to hear from me about that but i i do remember one that could have been worse so. oh i i definitely remember one yeah, that could have been worse <laughs> and i will i will say let me you know let me throw this out there the disclaimer those are only the ones that we could actually show steve so mm-hmm. you see that's the problem mine are just a you know a little more politically correct I guess. Right. Well, see, if you do like me and you act like a complete idiot, that makes everybody else embarrassed to put you on, so you're left off. So, <laughs> well, I've got it. I've got it down. Oh, uh, okay. I'm all, all right. over. So. Well, anyway, we've got a good question this week, Aaron, and I'm going to send this question your way because it is from Missouri here, and uh, I felt like there was a pretty good chance that you'd know the answer to this. Well, I'd better know the answer, <laughs> considering uh, I don't know what the question is, so you're going to embarrass well, me. Well, listen, I cut the question down a little bit. I didn't really want to give you too much to work with here. Now, what what the heck is that supposed to mean? You didn't want to give me too much to work with. First, you go and you, you, uh, you know, you, oh. you start by saying, I'm going to, it's from Missouri, so I guess my talents don't transcend outside of the, the boundaries of Missouri. 
man, these these TV stars are so gum sensitive. Now, listen, man, you're a you're just a smart guy. You got a lot of information to give out, and sometimes it takes a little while to get it all out. I guess you're saying that's a nice way of just saying I'm worried. Okay, well, I'll get to the point, Steve. Go ahead and read the question. I'll be sure and uh, do it in 30 seconds or less. You take your time. You take your time, my friend. Tony's. Uh, he needs some advice here. He says it's springtime here in Missouri, but you can't tell it. Last week we had rain, ice, and snow. Soon the bass will start moving up on the spawning beds. I had always started fishing along riff rafts with suspended jerk baits, using a shaky head when the lake is murky, and a finesse jig or a slow rolling spinner bait when it's clear. Tony from Grain Valley, Missouri, Aaron wants to know what other patterns can he try when these aren't working. How short do you want it to be? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. No, Tony, that is is a great question. Um, and to tag on to what you said, of course, you had indicated on the finesse jig in your question, and, and basically uh, the finesse jig, as we know, is the spider jig, usually in a 5 ounce round ball head tipped with a, a small trailer, and it has a slower fall, which is a good situation. Going back to the individual spots that you're trying, in addition to, you know, kind of the riprap banks, I really will focus on during the springtime of year what we call the transition banks, meaning something that changes from, let's Let's say a ledgy bluff uh, to those chunk rocks and then eventually as you work further back in the cove it goes into smaller rock and eventually pea gravel and what that essentially does is that that's a highway and the fish can relate to those different types of structure because if you're you're starting out closer to the main lake obviously it's going to be more vertical they can move up and down as those you know nasty weather changes come through like you mentioned and then as the water warms and the weather begins to stabilize a little bit and it gets closer to the spawn their urge is going to place them in the backs of those creeks and on bed getting ready for the spawn. Now as far as baits are concerned, another thing that I would like to throw in there that we do very well on in lakes really across the country is a football jig. You know, don't just key in on uh, the finesse jig because sometimes uh, you'll be able to, they like that faster fall, but also you're able to stay in contact with the bottom, whereas a finesse jig, because of it being so light, you know, as you're working that back, um, it's spending most of its time actually you know, off of the bottom. And when those crayfish, that water starts to warm and they really start becoming active, they're just starting to creep out from under those rocks. So definitely add that to your arsenal, as well as a wiggle wart. That is a moving or reaction style bait that you can run those banks, those transition banks, and really bang it in off the cover, um, be able to cover a lot of water with that. And then also just a shad uh, mimicking crankbait. But be sure and use your electronics to find out where the bait fish are and where they're holding at in relation to the water column, because this will help you you kind of determine, you know, what depth of crankbait that you need to be using. So appreciate that question, Tony. There you go. Well, that ought to give Tony plenty to work with there. And uh, Tony wrote in from Green Valley, Missouri. That's up by Kansas City, I believe. You know where Green Valley's at? Uh, that would be a negative. No, okay, I do not. I believe that's a Kansas City deal up there. It's always great to hear from Tony and, and all our friends uh, all over the country. Keep those emails coming in, and uh, we love to uh, answer questions, and we love to give stuff away. Well, Aaron, it's going to be great to hear from our old friend Troy Heckman. It's been a little while, but uh, let's take a quick break and get to that interview. 
Finally, a safe and convenient way to access any trailer boat. Introducing the new Flex Step by MegaWare Keelguard. Forget climbing over the sides ever again. Mount a Flex Step on the side of your trailer for easy access to rod lockers and tackle compartments with no boarding. Or bolt the high quality aluminum Flex Step to your trailer's tongue and enter your craft without ever getting wet again. Completely flexible, great for cleaning windshields, and the hollow tube doubles as a storage area. Available at major marine centers or learn more via the web. Hey, Edge listeners, this is Scott Suggs. I'm Dave Wolak. This is Chad Morgan-Taylor. Hi, I'm Chris Ball. This is Dion Hibden, and you're listening to The Edge. You know, there is probably a point in all of our history that each of us can identify really as a, a defining moment in our introduction to fishing. And this week's guest is one whom literally creates such moments for thousands of young people across North America. And that is none other than Troy Heckman of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. Troy, thanks so much uh, for being back on the edge. Oh, not a problem, Aaron. We uh, always enjoy our time together and uh, glad to be here. You know, Troy, we do certainly enjoy our time together. And before we kind of dive off and catching up since the last time that you've been on here, I want to make sure that we kind of point out uh, really what the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association, or also known as the CBAA, actually is, if you could do that. Oh, not a problem. Uh, the Collegiate Bass Angler Association is an amateur athletic organization. We are a not-for-profit organization and functions uniquely nationally as a governing body for collegiate bass fishing. A couple of our uh, keystone programs are club development and uh, sustaining programs for clubs that currently exist, and to date, uh, we are proud to report that we have provided over 560 club development plans, a majority of those just in the last 18 months to two years, and just something that is uh, really unique, just in the last uh, two or three months, we've uh, gone outside the borders of the United States and have uh, provided club development plans for universities in Canada, Japan, and just last week, uh, universities down in Mexico. So, uh, the, you know, the sport continues to grow. The interest is on the rise. And uh, again, uh, you know, with the ripple effect of the whole economic situation right now, it, says, it looks like, you know, college uh, collegiate bass fishing is on the rise and continues to grow. And it's an exciting time for the sport. Well, you know, it's certainly here to stay. And I, I think that's evident if you were to poll, say, myself or, or yourself or those that are in it. But why do you think that this phenomenon of college fishing and, and now even with with the high schools, you know, I know Missouri and, and Illinois have adopted such programs in high school. What is it about this that is causing this kind of revolutionary, I, I guess, growth in the sport? Well, I think just the wholesome nature of it. I mean, as uh, fishing and just recreation being outdoors is just such a backbone of the American people and who we are. And it, we, we do have a great uh, angling heritage here in the United States, you know, from the time when it first started, you know, putting food on the table for your family, just to be able to relax in that. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's really not all expensive once you, you make the initial commitment investment into the equipment that it takes to get. But, I mean, you get outside, you get get the wind blowing on your face, sunshine, feeling the warmth and that, and catching fish. And I tell you, there's nothing more exciting than feeling the tug on the end of your line. It's just addicting. I think that's what it is. It's just, it's just been a great part of our heritage of uh, the American people, and it's just a natural progression into the sport. Uh, I know the professional ranks have been around for a while, and it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's time for the amateur side of uh, bass fishing and I think that's what it is. It's who we are and it's what we like to do and we're going to continue to do it. Well, I, I don't think you could have said it better as far as the addictiveness of this sport and, you know, certainly there's nothing better than having your string stretched and, and when your adrenaline kicks in and you feel that response uh, to what you're offering or presenting to the fish. But I, I really think that fishing transcends that and, and a comment that you made earlier as far as the, the experience, 
I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's what I see, you know, the CBAA more so than anything. It's not just about competition, although that's a big part of it. There's a lot of things that translate over into just quality of life and, and getting people introduced and exposed to the outdoors. Well, I, you, you couldn't be more right, Aaron. I, that's a great observation. And it is a great, great part of who we are and what we do. And, uh, you know, it is uh, an actual hands-on experience. It's not like sitting on the couch and, you know, running a joystick or pushing buttons or at the computer banging keys and stuff. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. This is just... Uh, Hard to beat the hands-on uh, experience and be an actual part of the experience. It's anticipation of the moment, I guess. It's one of the reasons why I like coaching baseball for all those years. It's anticipation of the moment, and that is, uh, you know, just transcends it over into fishing. You know, you make a cast, you work your lure a couple times, and next thing you know, the fight's on. And that anticipation of the moment and just being part of that, you can't beat it. The reality is, when you look at the effect that it has, um, you know, and pardon the pun, but let's face it. Once you are exposed to fishing and you have success, uh, you it, it you really become hooked on the sport. And, you know, in this day and age when there are so many things competing for our, even an adult's time, let alone a young person's time, whether that be other sports, video games, all the different mediums that we have out there, there's something to be said about fishing being compared to a video game and you know when you look at the competitive nature of what the collegiate bass anglers association represents you guys just came off of uh just a very recent tournament this past week i think they're at the big 10 championship uh, yes sir yeah we were at uh Burkeville lake in southern indiana for the big 10 championship and i tell you what a uh, what a great group of people to be around you never when people ask uh, you know is fishing a sport i tell you I've been fortunate enough to coach on the collegiate level for a lot of years and, uh, you know, baseball. And I tell you, you look at the anglers, you see how intense they are and how hard they do their homework and how long, how the time they put on the water. They're as much as athletes as there anybody else out there. And with the three-foot rollers we had this weekend out on the lake during pre-fishing, there's a physical component in that, too, that people don't understand it, hasn't done it. But uh, it was an exciting time down at Bristol this weekend. Well, not only physical, but also mental, because as you well know, I'm sure there's probably some rivalries that exist amongst the many conferences that you guys work with. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you, you see that, and that's uh, kind of a neat thing is uh, with the emergence of uh, college bass fishing is that there's always uh, always have those uh, hard, fast uh, collegiate rivalries. So in the Big Ten, IU, Purdue, um, you have Illinois Northwestern. Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, what what goes on on the gridiron for football or any other sport venues automatically just transcends on the water between the universities. And we see that also, you know, Alabama and Auburn and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas A&M with a Big 12 tournament that we do with them down there and the, the other the Southeast Conference schools with Tennessee and Kentucky. And it just, it's a, it's a great thing. There's a rivalry exists on all levels when you're uh, talking about your alma mater and uh, amateur athletics and especially college athletics. Well, in you know, in our, our last uh, closing minutes here, what do we have on the horizon that's coming up for the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association? Well, we're in the process right now of uh, uh, decompressing from our debriefing from the Big Ten Championship, and we want to, uh, of course, extend a congratulations to the University of Illinois Fighting Illini Bass Club for winning their third Big Ten championship, and that would be three in the last four years. So they are definitely a, a force to be considered with on the the collegiate in the collegiate re, uh, arena of uh, college bass fishing. But uh, we're finalizing details for the 2009 uh, Big Twelve championship and uh, looking at possible sites in Oklahoma. But are open to 
talking with anybody that might be interested in supporting the venture and uh, is looking for a venue and uh, the event. Also, uh, be finalizing details shortly for the next uh, Southeast Championship one for the fall of 2009 as well. And a couple other things we're looking at is uh, we have a group that we're currently in the process with for uh, possibly getting a, not sure if it's going to be a Pac-10 flavored thing, but it's definitely going to be a, be a Western flavored event. Uh, recently, we've had Maybe about 16 new clubs pop up on the West Coast, so we want to uh, provide an opportunity for them to get on the water and experience uh, the thrill of collegiate competition and uh, bass fishing as well. Well, you certainly have a plate full, and I'm sure this would not be possible without your sponsors. And also, you know, just the numerous amount of volunteers that you take on. And, you know, that's one of the things that I want to be sure and point out before we get off here. Not only, you know, if you know of someone, a college angler, uh, who would be interested in this, Make sure and uh, and get Troy's information out to him. But also, you know, there's ways that we can become involved. And uh, Troy, where can we go to get that information and find out how to possibly, you know, devote some time, maybe a boat, uh, some equipment, some finances, uh, what have you, to seeing that this is going to be a tremendous success? All right, not a problem. Well, we have our website. Much of that information is available at www.collegiantbass.org and also available uh, anytime on cell phone. And i give that out here now. It'll be uh, 574-780-4390. We uh, have pretty much an open-door policy. We try to keep college hours because as much of our uh, constituents do that. So give us a call. If we can't get back to you right then, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. But you're right. Uh, you know, the volunteers, we, we can't do what we do without volunteers. And, of course, the sponsorship of our events. You know, it's amateur athletic that is best. As, uh, we're, we're doing it for the kids and uh, the development of the sport. Um, if you're interested, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to work with you. Uh, we pretty much uh, die by our volunteers and live by our volunteers. Cause it's a great group to work with. And uh, it's an infectious uh, thing that we do. And I think once you get involved and participate, uh, just see the opportunity you're able to provide uh, to these student anglers you'll be hooked as well and become a longtime supporter of the sport. So we, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to have you a part of the CBA team. All right. Well, Troy, once again, thanks so much uh, for taking time out to be with us here on The Edge. We look forward to talking with you again in the near future, and uh, keep it up. You know, we really, really appreciate just the impact uh, that the CBAA is having on so many people uh, across the nation and really across the continent. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Not a problem. Thank you for those kind words, uh, Aaron. Uh, we sure wish great success to our friends, uh, Bass Edge, and uh, everyone out there listening uh, tight light. Now you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. Before we shut this deal down, I'm going to ask you to do the honors today and give something away. You're always asking me to do something. I tell you what, I'm beginning to wonder if you have a uh, tendency to try uh, and get out of work. Yeah, I'm worried about, <laughs> I'm worried about you over there. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, hey, we do have a prize winner, and it goes out to Roger from Rockford, Illinois. 
he will receive a copy of the Electronics 101 DVD and Bass Edge decal. Roger's going to enjoy that, and we appreciate him. And everybody else, keep those emails coming in. And I'd also like to throw out a thank you. We see we've got a bunch of new subscribers on the podcast, and we just thank everybody for getting on board and really appreciate the very nice things that are being written about the show. Absolutely. We welcome everyone who wants to uh, listen to us to kind of sit here and banter and argue back and forth. Isn't that right, Steve? Well, yeah, why they'd want to do that, I'm not totally convinced, but i tell you what, we certainly appreciate that they do. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, you know, we look forward to uh, visiting with all of you again next week, and also look for Bass Edge on the Outdoor Channel scene three times weekly at 8 a.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. Fridays, and Saturday afternoon at 2.30 all Eastern Time. Bass Edge can also be seen on the World Fishing Network and Wild TV in Canada. For the latest Bass Edge information, merchandise, and for an opportunity to win prizes and ask the pro questions, log on to BassEdge.com. For Steve Brigman, I am Aaron Martin, and we look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Ditch Witch, Mega Air Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.